Let us now read together what we confess in Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 9. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God, and willing also as a faithful Father. After the sermon we will sing, continue singing from Psalm 104, and then the last four stances, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Love congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls. Some months ago, as I sat on a plane that was about to take off, I remember looking out the one side of the window of the plane. And that side showed a beautiful sunset. You could see the various colors of the sky as the sun was sinking down below the earth. It looked very peaceful and serene. But as I looked through the window on the other side of the plane, I saw a completely different picture. I saw angry, gathering clouds, gray and black, and knew that a storm was about to unleash its fury. Beside me was a woman who was obviously nervous about flying. And she kept looking out of that one side of the window that showed the gloomy and threatening weather. And as we took off, she continued to look out of that side of the window, becoming more and more nervous. It didn't help that right after takeoff, the ride was somewhat bumpy for a time as well. And then I thought to myself, well, why doesn't this woman look at the other side of the window? She would feel much, much less anxious. We're all in the same plane, including the pilot, and we're all going to the same destination. The pilot knows what he's doing, and he wouldn't take off if it wasn't safe. And I thought to myself, isn't that the way it is with life as well? We as Christians are all going to the same destination as we make our way through life. But as we make our way through life, we sometimes look at the wrong side of life, and we keep staring at it. Some people do it all the time. And so let me ask you, is that also what you do? Are you anxious and nervous a lot? Do you constantly look at the things of life that can and do go wrong, and do you sometimes look backward at all the things that have gone wrong and think about that? Are you scared when things get a little bit bumpy? Well, then, change your view. Look out the other side of the window. Look at God's creation and notice how wonderfully he has made it. There is an enormous beauty in God's creation. 
Through your eyes of faith, you can see that only an almighty God could create something as beautiful and intricate as he, and that only an almighty God can be in control of your destiny. Oh, sure, because of sin, this creation is also full of dangers. There are earthquakes, floods, hurricanes and tornadoes, ice storms, things break and fall down and deteriorate, Unexpected things can happen to you personally. You can lose your health. You can lose your business. You can lose your possessions. A lot of bad things can happen. But let's not forget that we as believers are all going in the same direction. And the same pilot is in control. And that's the Lord God himself. And he wants you to trust in him. For he has created the vessel you travel on and in, namely this whole earth and indeed the whole universe. And you can trust in him. And that's what Lord's Day 9 deals with. My theme for this afternoon's service is as follows. My faithful father is the almighty creator who safely guides us to our destination. And then we will see two things. We will see that as a child of God, I must in the first place observe the miracles of his creation. And in the second place, completely trust in his preservation or, if you will, in his recreation. I'll state that once again. My faithful father is the almighty creator who safely guides us to our destination. First, as child of God, I must observe the miracles of his creation. And secondly, trust completely in his recreation or preservation. Lord night deals with the first article of the Apostle Creed and begins where the Bible also begins, namely with our creation. You would expect, therefore, that this Lord's Day would address some of the problems people have concerning creation as such. For example, with the fact that God created all things in six days and that it did not come about through evolution or through any other means. You would expect the emphasis also to be on the Almighty Creator and what He is all able to do. However, that's not the case. The emphasis here is not on the Creator, but on God as the Eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is also my Father. Oh, sure, creation is mentioned in this Lord's Day, but only in a subordinate clause. The main sentence of the answer of Lord's Day 9 is that the Eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is also my God and my Father. The sentence, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is subordinate. In other words, of secondary importance in this Lord's Day. And that's also how you have to read Genesis 1. In the first chapter of the Bible, we get the diary of our Lord God, wherein he describes how he lovingly prepared a wonderful home for his children. It is a home which has as its roof the changing cloud formations and which has the sun for central heat, which also acts as a permanent light at the same time. It also has the moon and the stars that light up the sky at night. The home has various kinds of carpets, grass and trees and plants, It has mountains and valleys, 
and the cupboards of the home are full. There is fruit on the trees and wheat and barley in the fields and plenty to eat all around. The Lord God also put the animals on the earth for man to play with and to delight in. He prepared the earth lovingly, like a father and mother do when they expect a child. They select a bedroom close to their own so that they can be there whenever the child needs them once the child is born. They put everything in that room for the baby that he could possibly need, a soft, warm bed, a change table, toys, restful wallpaper. When everything is ready, then the baby can come. No doubt that's also how the Jacobus prepared for the coming of Chase. That's how God prepared the earth for man as well. He made everything ready for his children, Adam and Eve. And God created them after his own image, his own likeness. After all, they're his children. Mankind would be different from, <clears throat> mankind would be different from all the other creatures. Man would be his covenant child. He would inherit the whole earth. And it was God's intention that man would live in that home happily and contented forever and ever. And the Lord God, the Father who created all things, would be very close to them in the room next door. And they could call upon him at any time. That is how lovingly he prepared the earth for his children. The person who wrote Psalm 104 had great appreciation for the home that God created for him. He sees the hand of his heavenly father in everything. He observes God's wonderful creation all around him, and he views his surroundings as the radiant and stately robe with which the invisible creator has clothed himself to display his glory. The psalmist looked around him and stood in awe of the beauty in the sky, the shifting clouds, and the rays of the sun. He felt the sand at the seashore between his toes and the cool water as it lapped against his legs. How the waters of the seas are kept within their boundaries. The waters can only go so far, and then they return to where they came. He looked at the raging rivers and how they flow in between the mountains. He saw how beautifully God made everything and how the waters served to quench the thirst of all kinds of animals, the birds and the beasts of the field and the wild donkeys. And when he heard the roaring of a lion, he perceived that as the lion asking for food from God, he saw God's hand in all creation. When he heard the thunder, he heard the voice of God. He stood in awe of the way that the birds make their nests and how the stork makes a home in the pine trees. He was excited by how everything happened with seasonal regularity. There's the regularity of light and darkness, of spring, summer, fall, and winter. As the psalmist observed all these things, he did not, as modern man does, speak about Mother Earth, or the laws of nature. He did not give credit to, a, to an intelligent design either. No, he praises God in heaven, 
Praise the Lord, O my soul, O my Lord God, you are very great. He perceived the Father's breath in the winds. He did not say, Oh, how the wind blows. But he said, Look at how the Father uses the wind as his messenger. And when the sun came up, he did not just marvel at that miracle, but he marveled at his heavenly Father who caused this to happen. In everything he saw his heavenly Father as the almighty creator who upholds and governs all things. Now, I have to ask you a question, brothers and sisters, and also you boys and girls. Is that also how you see the world all around you? Do you stand in awe daily of the work of creation of your Heavenly Father? Do you see the hand of your Heavenly Father when the first snow falls out of the sky? Do you see the miracle of each snowflake? Did you know that there is not one snowflake the same as the other? Do you know who's doing that is? That's God's doing. Do you see the miracle in a house plant as it unfolds its leaves and produces flowers? Do you hear the birds singing and see the beauty of it all? How God created that bird and how he provides for him every day, making sure that he has food and drink. It's absolutely marvelous the way that God has created things. And man continues to discover more and more. And that is because God created the earth so beautiful with so many elements that innumerable things are ready to be still discovered. Look at what has been discovered in the last century. Man discovered that he could communicate through radio waves and through telephone lines. God made that all possible. And man discovered that he could communicate, and man discovered how he could harness powerful steam engines powerful enough to push locomotives along rail lines. Man discovered electricity. He discovered flight. He discovered that he could even fly to the moon. He discovered a computer chip. And so the list can go on and on and on and on. And there are so many more things to be discovered. And God put it all there to be discovered. Man right now has only scratched the surface. Why did he make all those things? He gave these things to man to satisfy his curiosity, to keep him busy. And he gave these things to man to exercise his cultural mandate. He made them for man to discover them. Why? So that he could give glory to God. That he could praise his name just as the psalmist does. God wants us to use his creation to his glory. And he wants you and me to see the beauty of it all. And he wants you to take good care of it as well. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, are you also careful with God's creation? Young people, or do you just throw out your garbage, for example, out of your window of the car as you drive along? 35th Avenue here is full of garbage obviously thrown out of the windows of cars, McDonald's cups, hamburger wrappers, etc. 
Boys and girls, we have to take care of God's creation, all of us. And let me then ask everyone, do you also take care of God's creation? Or do you have no problem with discarding noxious substances through the drain? Do you not stand in awe of God's creation and of your responsibility to take care of it as well? Do you not see God's fatherly hand and creation all around you? as also the psalmist does? Or are you used to what you see all around you? I read a story about a father and a little boy that struck me. The father was busy at work on his desk by the window. And then he heard the banging and the clanging of a garbage truck. And the father looked outside. And he saw his four-year-old little boy sitting on the curb, watching in awe and wonder at that great big garbage truck that picked up the garbage in its steel claws and then gobbled it up. His eyes almost popped out of his head. He had never seen that before. The father saw how awestruck and how awestruck and mesmerized his little boy was with the mechanics of it all. You and I, we're used to these kinds of things, aren't we? We've seen them a million times. If we were to come by a garbage truck, we would barely give it a glance as we pass by. We'd probably do a big circle around it. But to that little boy, that garbage truck was awesome. That's just one little thing. But we pass by so many things, and we take so many things for granted. Brothers and sisters, wouldn't it be good if we were to go back to that time in our lives when we stood in awe of everything all around us. Look at a little child, how many things he discovers and how excited he is to discover these things. God's creation is really awesome. We must be childlike in the way that we see things again. But then, of course, there's also that other side to consider. And that brings us to the second point. The Catechism speaks here about the life of sorrow. The original edition of the Heidelberg Catechism spoke about a veil of tears and Tranendal. Too bad we lost that in the translation. In our prayer before the baptism of Chase Jacobson, we stated that this life is no more than a constant death. Although God created everything beautiful, everything is now subject to decay and deterioration and death. We see it all around us, don't we? We live in a rich part of the world and are not confronted with the sorrow that millions upon millions of people have to suffer each day because of disease, because of lack of food and water and hygiene. Millions of people live in war-torn countries as well, and their lives are constantly in danger. They suffer much pain and sorrow. And it's going on all over the world right now. Even today, I heard about an earthquake in Indonesia and about wildfires in California. All around us, we can experience the brokenness of life in so many ways. We, too, bring loved ones to the grave. We experience a world full of broken promises, full of deceit, a world lacking in compassion and understanding, a world where there is unreasonable anger and selfishness. We also experience health problems and pain. 
we experience broken relationships. And not only do stately trees and wholesome plants grow here on this earth, but also poisonous plants. And we do not just experience gentle falling rain, but also torrential rains that cause floods and destruction. We read about these, things, about these kinds of things from all over the world and experience them ourselves. And not only do healthy babies get born, but also those with handicaps. What happened? Has, long, has God lost control? Well, brothers and sisters, why is God called our Father? He has called our Father, not just, be, not just because He created all things, but He has called our Father because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says here in the Heidelberg Catechism. He is first of all the eternal Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This beautiful home that God prepared for us to live in became inhabitable because of our sin. We no longer allowed God to have control over things but the devil. We ourselves brought this world under God's curse. And that is why things can and do go wrong. We rejected God as our Father in heaven and therefore are no longer children of him. Except that now through Jesus Christ we can once again be children of God the Father through faith. It is only because of the Lord Jesus Christ that God can again be our Father. It is only because of our Lord Jesus Christ that this world can be habitable. Sometimes you hear the lament that someone has lost faith in God because something bad happened. They thought that they had hope, and then their hopes were dashed. Something happened that they did not expect. They thought that their prayers had been answered, but then the opposite happens. And so they're angry at God, or disappointed with Him, or lose faith in him. Brothers and sisters, did you ever consider that it is a miracle that this world still turns? That many good things still do happen? We spoiled this creation. We have allowed the devil to reign this world, our hearts, our flesh. Is it not a miracle that this world is still in existence? That God did not destroy everything? Is it not a miracle that everyday babies are still being born? Is it not a miracle that the sun shines every day and that creation is being preserved as it is? Is it not a wonder that we can still bring our children to the baptismal font? And these miracles happen only because of one thing, namely that the Lord Jesus Christ came to redeem this world. He makes it possible that we can be alive physically and eternally. He makes it possible that you can have food on your table and a roof over your head and clothes to wear. He makes it possible that we can gather every Sunday together, that we can start off the week together. He makes it possible that you can have jobs to be busy with. He makes it possible that you can enjoy the many good things That you can enjoy having parents who look after you. That you can have children who look after you in your old age. 
That you can have fellowship with one another. That's all God's gifts. Oh sure, there's a lot of pain and sorrow here on this earth. There are many disappointments. But don't concentrate on those things. God never left the driver's seat. He is still bringing this whole world to its final destination. Nothing can change that. Think about the miracle that you are alive. And that because of the Lord Jesus Christ you have hope. You have great hope for the future. For the Lord God tells you that nothing, absolutely nothing, not even death can separate you from the love of God. And if that is what you concentrate on in this life, if you look out of that window, then you can also stand the bumps and the grinds of life. As the Catechism says, He is able to do everything as Almighty God, but He is willing to do that also because He is our, He is your Heavenly Father. Our confession says that I trust in Him so completely as to have no doubt that He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will also turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow, in this veil of tears. That's our confession. That's your confession. That's my confession. Trust in Him. To trust in Him means to know him how do you know him you know him from creation all around you but you know him especially from his word God wants us to acknowledge that he is in control at all times even when bad things happen unbelievers do not acknowledge him at all and so they are full of anxiety they are afraid when the stock markets go down or when their health deteriorates. They're afraid when they no longer feel in control. And so they should. For when you do not acknowledge God as your heavenly Father, then He is not your Father either. Then you are just along for the ride. But you will not make it to your final destination with God. Psalm 104 ends with a curse. Do you know why? Do you know why after he first gives a lengthy description about the beauty of God's creation, he then says, But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Because those who want to live in their sin and misery do not want the Almighty God as their Heavenly Father. And in the end, there will be no more room for them here on this earth. There is no room for those who do not acknowledge that our Heavenly Father is the creator of all things and that He is the one who preserves and recreates all things. That He is the one who takes care of you. That He is the one who gives food to you and drink and to all the animals all over the world. That He is the one who gives you help that He is the one who gives you life, that He is the one who loves you so much that He gave His only Son so that this world as we now know it can be renewed, totally renewed. And so you had better acknowledge that now, or else God 
will not acknowledge you as his child. And for that reason, right after the curse, he also adds once again, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. There is much reason to praise him, isn't there? For he is going to do with wickedness and sin here on this earth. That's why he sent his son. He sent his son to do away with sin. He sent his son because he loves you and me that much that never again we have to experience sin and misery. And so don't look at the dark and gloomy side of life. Don't be anxious and afraid. But look at the beauty of God's creation. And look at who has made it all and trust in the Almighty God. And he will bring you to your final destination safe and sound. Don't be anxious. Trust in him. For you will not only, for he will all, not only be able to do so as Almighty God, but he is also willing as a faithful father. Amen.